Father, we need you in this place. I know there's days when I need to be reminded that you're surrounding me, you're surrounding us with your love. So God, I just pray that no matter what we walk through those doors with, whatever fear we're facing, whatever anxiety is in us, that we're reminded that we are a child of yours. And God, maybe there's someone here today that, that they don't know that. I just pray, God, and it's our prayer that I leave this place knowing that you're a good, good God, that they can be your child, that you're with us, you're for us. You're always there to provide us what we need in the very moment that we need it. So God, today I just pray that we leave this place changed, we leave this place transformed, and it's not my words that do it, it's your word who gives hope, it's your word who pierces hearts, it's your word that we need, and it's you in our life that we need to get us where we need to go. I just thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. And like I said earlier, my name is Casey. It's so good to be with you today. And this is your first time. Welcome home. If it's you're coming back, welcome back to Meadows Church. Pastor Monty is away. He's actually back in Sioux Falls. He's been given the opportunity to, to preach at the church we came from, Celebrate Church. So two years ago, if you didn't know it, that we actually came out of that church. We, we started Meadows almost two years ago as a church plant. It's been truly amazing to be a part of what God has done here. And we give God all the glory for that. So we're thankful for that. Thank, I'm thankful that Monty gave me the opportunity. I'm thankful for Pastor Monty. Anybody else here thankful for Pastor Monty, right? But I'm thankful I don't just get have to, I don't, I don't just get to call him pastor, I get to call him friend. So I'm thankful for his friendship, thankful for, for him and what he's done in my life as well. So here we are. Uh, I just gotta ask you a question. Have you ever known someone that they, they wanted to tell you something, but they, they didn't want to just tell you to, so you knew it, they told you so you would actually do it. Have you ever had someone that, that they, they knew something, they wanted to, to make you know it, but they also wanted you to do it? So when I was a, a junior, um, my junior year, football season was starting, and football season, you, you started practice in August, and it's hot, right? So the first couple of practices, it's, it, it's shorts, it's, it's a shirt and a helmet. And, you know, it was great, you know, nice and sweaty, but as, as the end of practice came, we knew it was going to be sprint time. We knew we were going to have to run sprints, and everybody loved running sprints, right? It's just great, especially when it's hot out. And we always tried to get out of not wearing our helmet. Like, we did not want to wear a helmet while we were running our sprints. So we tried to uh, tell our coach, hey, we, it's, it's no helmets today, it's fine. But our coach would always say, hey, you need to wear your helmets. So a lot of us would reluctantly do it, but we would end up doing it. And, and some of us didn't want to do it. So there's a, there's a senior who was very adamant in making sure we had our helmets on. So he'd be yelling at us like, hey, get your helmet on. You need to get your helmet on. You need to put it on. And then we'd finally, we'd ever get their helmet on. Then we had to strap up as well. So we had to strap up our helmet. And there was always a guy, another senior, that was always reluctant and like, was always playing like this devil's advocate. Like He didn't want to listen to the coach. He didn't want to do what this other senior was asking him to do. But then so this, he would have to yell, hey, strap up. You need to strap your helmet up. Otherwise, we're going to run more sprints. And that would, the coach would always make us run more if we didn't do what he said. So like, this, this senior knew we should do something. And he knew why we should do something, because we have to do something in addition. We have to run more sprints. So this guy knew something, but he didn't want us just to know it. He actually wanted us to do it. And as we're in this Battle Born series, the Apostle Paul has been sharing with us the armor of God. Like, the Apostle Paul knows about the armor of God. He wants us to know about the armor of God. 
but not just know about it. He wants to, us to do something about it. He wants us to actually put it on. So that's what we're learning about as we go through Ephesians and, and talk about the armor of God. So I need you to do me a favor. Um, we're actually going to be reading this in Ephesians 6, verses 13 through 17. But I need to tell you something. At 9 o'clock, I told them, I need you to say this nice and loud um, because there's going to be a contest. We're going to see how well the 11 o'clock does. And then next week, I'll tell you who was the loudest at this time. So we're actually going to be reading Ephesians 6. I need you to do nice and loud so we can do this together. So Ephesians 6, the words are on the screen. Are you ready? You need to clear your throat. Are we okay? We're good to go? Who's with me? Anybody? I already know the 9 o'clock is going to win. They're way more excited than you guys. But let's go ahead. In verse 13, we're going to start. Ready? One, two, three, go. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the piece that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition, all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Give it up for yourself. Thank you for participating. It might have been a tie. I'm not even sure. Way to go, though. But hey, here's the thing. I have a question for you. As you look back over your life, has there ever been a moment where you wish you were wearing a helmet? Yeah, maybe. I'll, as you're thinking about it, let me share a couple stories of my own that I wish I would have been wearing a helmet. In elementary, I, I, we lived across, a church was right next to us, and they would always pile up the snow, a big old pile of snow. We always build tunnels through it. And one of these tunnels we had was from the top and went out to the side. So one, one evening, I was out there by myself trying to make this tunnel better. Right, trying to make it a little wider on the top, and I was, I was like halfway in the tunnel, so like half my body was in, other half was out. And so I'm doing this, and all of a sudden I start slipping, and I start going head first down the tunnel, and my head hits the bottom of the ground. I'm pretty sure I blacked out a little bit. Um, and the, the, the worst part is, though, like I should have had, I, I wish I would have had a helmet on, but the worst part is I got stuck. Like I was stuck in this tunnel, just like, couldn't do anything. Like, hey, somebody help me. And thankfully, I'm not even sure how long it took, but finally my neighbor showed up and pulled me out. So if it wasn't for my neighbor, I might not be here today. So we're thankful for my neighbor pulling me out. Another story, I grew up on a farm, and we had an incline in our driveway. And once again, I was probably in elementary uh, school, and my hands are in my pocket, I'm chewing gum, I'm walking up this incline, and I trip and land face first in the gravel, like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I probably should have had a helmet on. And um, th this last thing I'll share with you, I'm kind of reluctant to share with you, I'm kind of embarrassed, but I've actually been in, in three car accidents. You guys are probably like, I'm never going to drive with them. Like, two of them weren't my fault. It was weather related. It was not my fault. I'll take ownership of one of them. But, but, so three car accidents. And I, I probably should wear a helmet when I'm driving, but I'm fearful that if I have a helmet on and I'm driving and I have to sneeze, Oh my gosh, that'd be awful, right? If I sneeze and have my helmet on, it's going to, oh, it's just, just a nightmare. But once again, what about you? I bet you probably have a few stories where you wish you had a helmet on. And sometimes these stories might be funny, but sometimes with a helmet on, it could make the difference between life and death. I have some pictures I want to show you. Like, take a look at this one. Like, thankfully, this person had a helmet on, right? Let's take a look at the next one. Like, once again, thankful. They had a helmet, 
and this next one. And let's go one more. So I, I guarantee you, these people were thankful they had a helmet on. There's also maybe, sometimes you're wearing the wrong helmet. Let's take a look at this next one. Like sometimes you just have the wrong helmet on. I don't get it. All right. Don't tell Monty. <clears throat> but here's the deal. It's hard to deny the importance of a helmet. There are two stories I want to share with you real quick here. They, they happened within a year. One of the stories happened in Michigan. There was a guy, he's 38 years old. He's at the skate park skating. First and foremost, that's impressive, right? If you're 38 and you're skating, that's, that's pretty impressive. But here's the deal. He has an accident, lands on his head, fractures his skull, and has other things, bruises on his face, not wearing a helmet. Shortly after the accident, he, he dies. Compare that to another story where an 11-year-old girl riding her bike, trips, lands in traffic, car runs over her arm and over the top of her head. She's wearing a helmet. She ends up fracturing her arm and bruising her face and that's it. She survives. It's amazing what the difference of a helmet could do. The difference between life and death. So truly amazing. And now the crazy thing is the, the, the parents of the, of the girl can't stop talking about, hey, you need to wear a helmet. And today we're talking about this helmet and why it's important to wear a helmet. And I, I believe, you know, when it comes to our, our head, I think we all know and, and believe that, hey, a helmet's important. But we need to know something. We just read that the enemy, our enemy, is shooting arrows at us. Our enemy knows something. The enemy knows something that we probably do not know. They're going to go for our head. And if they get to our head, we're as good as dead. Right? If, he, if he gets inside this thing, we are in trouble. If we get hit with an arrow, if we get hit in the arm or the legs, we can probably survive that. Right? If you ever, have you heard of the name of uh, Rob Mendez? He actually just received um, uh, ESPY here for perseverance. He was born without any arms or legs. But he is still able to do the things that God called him to do because he still has his head. A lot of us are sitting here and we can't do what we're called to do because our, the enemy has got inside our head. And I don't know if, if you've ever been there before, if you've had a, maybe a, a, a tough week, this last week has been fairly tough on me. It's, I don't know why it is, I don't, and maybe it's because I was given this message that the enemy was attacking me, but it's just been a, a, a busy week, a stress-filled week. Uh, last weekend I was able to be a part of a, a funeral. It's truly amazing to be a part of that funeral. This weekend I knew Monty was going to be gone, so I was going to fill in for him, so it just added another thing to my plate. And on top of this all, my wife, we're about to have our second child in August, so once again, this is another thing that's coming up. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, pray for us, please. Number two, that's crazy. Um, but, but here's the thing. So I, I started a new job as well, so I'm just learning about that. But here's the thing. For my new job, I have to take a test. There's this big test I need to pass. And it's 160 questions I need to take this test. And lots of study needs to go into it. Not many people pass it. It's not an easy test. So as I'm studying for my test, I'm at the point in my studying that I need to actually start taking these practice tests. So starting this last weekend, I'm taking these tests. 160 questions, how long do you think that takes? It's like three hours. Think about that. Taking a test for three hours, it's insane. But the worst part of it is if you get a 70% on these tests, you're doing well. That's crazy, right? A 70% you're doing 
well. And as I'm taking these practice tests, these first eight tests, how it works is you get a question, you get four potential answers. Once you answer the question, you hit submit. And in that moment, it tells you if you're right or wrong. So if you think about this, 160 questions, you know, if you get 40 plus questions wrong, you're still doing pretty well. That can be deflating, right? Like, so I take the first test, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm, I'm getting right around that 70 range, which is great. All of a sudden, the second test, same thing. So I'm, I'm doing, I'm in the 70, all of a sudden Wednesday comes along. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can take this anymore. Every time I hit submit, like the first time is, oh shoot, I got it wrong. By Wednesday, I don't, even want to, I don't even want to tell you what was coming out of my mouth. Like, I was so frustrated, and the things I was thinking, it was just, like, insane. Like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't think I can do this. So I, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm having second thoughts. I'm doubting. Why am I even doing this? And then the worst part is, all of a sudden, these doubts, these fears, they start impacting my, my day-to-day job. Like, I'm starting to... To even doubt the, the answers I'm giving my associates. All of a sudden, I'm going home, and it's bleeding over into my family life. I'm not being as encouraging as I need to be. And all of a sudden, like these, these thoughts, like all of a sudden, these lies are in my head. I don't know if you've ever been there before. Can anybody relate? Start believing things that you should never have been believing in the first place. These lies start filling your mind and your head. And we're as good as dead once he's inside our head. And that's why the Apostle Paul is here to tell us that we need to put on a helmet. He is telling us we need to put a helmet on because the mind is worth protecting. We need to protect our mind. And so as he, he's telling us this, as he's telling us, hey, we need to put on a helmet, there's, there's a reason why we need a helmet. Because the helmet gives us some things. Right? The first thing a helmet gives us is identity. Right? Say identity. That was, that was pretty poor, but that's okay. Our helmet gives us an identity. It says whose we are and who we are, right? If you see a construction worker with a helmet on, like, you know who he is, right? He's a construction worker. Not only does it give us an identity, it gives us a purpose. Say purpose. Purpose. A helmet tells us what we are to do. Once again, the construction worker, helmet on, you know what he is to do or what she is to do. The third thing a helmet does, it gives us protection. Say protection. So those three things, a helmet. Paul knows that we need these things in our lives. We need to know our identity. We need to know our purpose. And we need to know that we have protection as we go through our day-to-day lives. And so our helmets reveal who we are and what we are to do. And that's why, why the Apostle Paul is here telling us that we need to put on the helmet of salvation. Because you need to realize that there was a time in Paul's life where he was not wearing this helmet. There was a time in... Paul's life where he actually was wearing the wrong helmet, doing the wrong things, and it wasn't until something happened to Paul they put on the right helmet and started doing the right things. And that's what we're going to be learning about and talking about today. And if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to go ahead and go to, to, to Galatians, the first chapter in Galatians. We're going to start in verse 11. So just to set it up a little bit, Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia, some churches that he started. He has since gone on. He's, he's a missionary, so he's all about planting churches and sharing the gospel. So he's, he's writing back to these churches because there's some new teachers there that are, that are going against what Paul is saying and telling them. So Paul is writing back to these churches to tell them the truth that they should believe and the gospel that they should believe as well. So starting in verse 11, it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, 
I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I re- received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. So, so Paul is setting up, hey, no one else taught me this. I didn't teach this myself. Jesus came to me and told me this. This is a, a direct revelation, a direct revealing of what the gospel is. Verse 13 says, You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my, my zeal for, for the traditions of my ancestors. And, and Paul was good at it. He was good at persecution. He was good at going after these Christians. And that was, that's what he was all about. And it's very interesting that God would take the gifts that Paul had when he was persecuting the church, and he would completely flip those to share the gospel and start the church. It's just interesting how God works, how he can use our gifts, and when we use them for wrong, he can use them for good. But here we are, verse 15. But then something happened. Say, what happened? Glad you asked. So what happened was, Saul, he was called Saul before Paul, Saul was renamed and reborn. So Saul was on his way to to, to Damascus to persecute the Christians. And while he's on this journey, all of a sudden he has an encounter. Something happened to him. And as he was on this journey, Jesus reveals himself to him. That direct revelation. Jesus shows up in Saul's life. And Jesus says this. He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul responds, Lord, who are you? Jesus responds, I am the one you're persecuting. Like, I don't know if that's the first thing I would ask, but anybody here, you know, have you, you've had your hand in the cookie jar and you get caught? Right? You can't deny it, can you? It's very interesting that Paul, in this moment, didn't say, what are you talking about, Jesus? How am I persecuting you? He does not even ask that question because Saul knows what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. You ever been there? Doing something because it feels good, but it's not good? I don't know if you can relate, but I've had several moments in my life where Jesus reveals himself to me, and in these moments when Jesus shows up in my life, this is very interesting because it's usually when I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. One of those moments is, is probably six months before we got married. Jesus reveals himself to me and says, Casey, Casey, why are you living with your girlfriend? Another one of those moments was, Casey, Casey, why are you drinking so much? Or, Casey, Casey, why are you saying the things that you're saying? Why are you being so mean? So I don't know what Jesus has done in your life or if he's ever revealed yourself. But in those moments, what questions has he asked? But maybe the better question is, if Jesus showed up today in your life, what would he be asking you? Like, why are you looking at that? Or why do you keep lying? Or why are you being so mean? Like, what is it for you? What would Jesus show up today and say and ask you? Like, what is it that you're doing that Jesus would reveal to you? And our prayer today is that, that today, something, whatever that is, is revealed to you. And that, and that, that something happened moment, maybe that is your day today. That Jesus would reveal himself to you in such a way that something happened and he completely frees you and transforms you in your current situation. And that's our prayer, that something would happen for you today. If we continue on in verse 15, it says, For it pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me, 
even before I was born. What undeserved mercy. Then he revealed his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. If we skip down to verse 22, it says this. And still, the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Like, that's something we should celebrate. That's, that's like true life change happening. Going from, from one thing, from doing wrong, to doing something right. Right? So he went from complete persecuting the church to, to preaching the good news wherever he went. He went from providing pain to Christians to, to bringing them peace. He went from, from truly transforming his life because of that something happened on that road to Damascus. Jesus revealed himself, and Paul was not the same. He was renamed, and he was reborn. You see, like we said before, once we know our identity, once we put our, the helmet of salvation on, we get a new identity, we get a, a new purpose, and we get protection to keep moving forward. So if you look at this, Paul would probably tell you this. This is this would probably be his mission statement. So this is after his transformation happened. In Romans 1.1, it says this. A slave of Jesus Christ, chosen by God to be an apostle, and sent out to preach his good news. Prior to meeting Jesus, he was a Pharisee. Now it's his identity. And his purpose was to persecute the church. After meeting Jesus, he's an apostle, and he's there to preach the good news. Truly amazing. Once he puts the helmet on, all of a sudden he's been given an identity, an apostle. He's been given a purpose to go preach the good news of Jesus. And, and you may be sitting there thinking, like, how or why would God do that to him? Like, this guy was killing Christians, Right? He was a sinner among sin. Like, why, would, why would God forgive him? And this would be Paul's response in Romans 3. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the, from the penalty of for our sins. And that's the good news. That's one other thing that we can celebrate, that no matter what we've done, no matter what we're doing, that Jesus is the good news, and he can make us right in God's sight no matter where we're at and what we're doing. Right? And that's what happened to Paul. Jesus made him right in God's sight. And you might be saying, well, was it easy for Paul after he put the helmet on? Like, once he had this identity, once he had this purpose, like, it must have been so easy for him. Not so much. Listen to all that Paul went through. He spent time in prison. He was whipped, faced death, received lashes, beaten with rods, stoned once. You're probably saying that he's only been stoned once. I've been stoned way more than that. Just kidding. You get it. Shipwrecked. He was hungry, thirsty, cold. So Paul faced some stuff, but he continued on because of the helmet he was wearing. So Paul was given an identity, he was given a purpose, and he was able to continue moving forward because of the helmet he put on. So Paul's life bears testimony to God's amazing power and to his ability to take our past rebellion and transform it and use it for his glory, his church, and his world. 
And we can learn from Paul and his life. And if there's one thing to take away from today, that, that the one thing that I want you to remember, if you can, is that being made right in God's sight leads us to do what is right. Like being made right in God's sight leads us to do what is right. So after Paul met Jesus, he was made right in God's sight. And it's interesting, he, didn't, he did not continue on his journey to Damascus. All right? He was given a new identity. He was given a new purpose. He then was led to do what is right. And here's the crazy thing. is all because of that day, because something happened. And it is our prayer today that that something might happen to you no matter what you've got done and what you've gone through. That today Jesus can free you, and that's what salvation is. Say salvation. It's a word we probably don't use much, but salvation, all it means is being freed from something. It's being delivered from something. Saul was, was freed from, he was delivered from what he was doing. And today, someone here is seeking that. You seek to be freed from certain circumstances. You've been seeking freedom from what you've been doing and the guilt and the shame that you feel. And that's what Jesus can do for you if you only accept the gift. So that something happened could be you today. And that's our prayer that Jesus reveals himself to you today. So there's a movie. It's been out for quite a while. Has anybody here seen Saving Private Ryan? A few people. That's, that's good. If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great movie, but the, the first 30 minutes is pretty intense. Very intense. So there's a, the American soldiers are, are leaving their boat. They're trying to get through the water and get on the beach while the, the, the enemy is, is shooting them and picking them off one by one. The, the, the water is red, it's full of blood, it's insane. People are, are burning, there's flames everywhere, there's, there's people missing limbs. I was going to show um, a clip, but Marty said that nobody's going to come back. So you, you go watch it for yourself. But it's very intense. We get to the point where there's a captain, Captain Miller. He makes it to the beach, and he's on his knees on this beach. His helmet's off, and he's just looking around, and he's seeing all this. He's seen all these people laying on the ground dead. He's seen the blood. He's seen the flames, bombs going off, bullets flying everywhere. Captain Miller sees his helmet next to him. He grabs his helmet. He puts it on. And as soon as he puts the helmet on, it's amazing what happens. Because like, once again, helmets give us our identity. All of a sudden, the people around him start asking him what to do. Once again, he's the captain, right? It actually has a little indication that he's the captain, his identity. All of a sudden, they start asking, what should we do? And he says, we need to keep moving. We need to keep going. If we stay here, we're as good as dead. So they had a mission to accomplish. Because once again, helmets give us a purpose. It gives us a mission. So they keep moving forward. They keep going to where they need to go. They finally get to a place where they're, they're setting, up, setting up shop. And they're sitting there. And this guy, he's, he's sitting there waiting for what's going to happen next. And he takes a bullet off the helmet. There's a guy next to him who says, you are one lucky blank, and you can fill in the blank yourself. But, but he was lucky, he says, but not so much, because we know what a helmet does, right? It protects us. A helmet protects us. But then this guy does something that I wouldn't recommend to anyone. He takes his helmet off and looks where the bullet went, and then boom, he gets shot right in the head. Like, why would you take your helmet off? But we do it so often, don't we? So everyone else with their helmets on, they keep moving forward, and they keep asking the captain, what do we need to do? And he keeps telling them, we need to keep moving forward. We need to keep going. We have a mission to accomplish. We have something that we are to do. 
So I, I say all that, I share all that because I truly believe that there's someone here today. This is your, this is your, your Captain Miller moment where you've gone through some crap. Life has been happening to you. You've gone through the water. You're on the beach now, but you're on your knees because you're hurting. You don't know what to do. You don't know where you're going to get any help. And you're on the beach and you need something to happen. Something needs to change. And I don't know what that is for you today, but today I believe this is your something moment where you can pick up the helmet the helmet of salvation. He can free you from your past. He can free you from your current circumstances. He can give you hope for the future. So that's our prayer today for you, is that whatever it is you're going through, whether it's the relationships that you're in, the, the struggles you're facing, that there is hope for you. But pick up the helmet, put it on, accept the gift that Jesus has for you. But once you have the helmet, then don't just stay there. Keep moving forward. Stand up like Captain Miller did. Go forward. There's going to be bumps. There's going to be bruises. Life's going to continue to happen. It's not going to be all roses and rainbows, right? It's going to be tough. But that's why we have the helmet on, right? Because it, it protects us. It gives us an identity. It gives us a purpose, and it protects us. So if you, if you know anything about the Roman helmet, it's, it was designed perfectly. Like 360 protection. Protected in the back, the side, and the front. We need protection in all three of those areas from our past, our present, and our future. Some of you are you're not able to move forward. You're still stuck on the beach with a helmet on, but you can't move forward because your past haunts you. You're stuck on the beach because your current circumstances, the current way you're living has paralyzed you. You're stuck on the beach because your future, you think there's no hope. I'm here to tell you today that this towel is not meant to be thrown in. Once you put the helmet of salvation, keep moving forward. He is there to move you and guide you and keep going. He has you here for a purpose. He loves you so much. So no matter what you're going through, know the helmet is there to protect you and to protect you from the lies of the enemy. The lies, the deception, you're not good enough, you were never good enough, you're not forgiven. All lies. Jesus is here to tell you, hey, you are forgiven, you are loved, you are here for a purpose. So don't throw in the towel, keep moving forward. Know that he is for you, he is with you, and he wants the very best for you. So today, whatever it is, your choice is. Maybe it's you never put on the helmet, you never accepted that gift, but Jesus did for you. That no matter what you've done, that he would still die for you today. That he would come to earth, he would live a life that we cannot live, he would go to the cross, and then, then God would raise him three days later. That's the good news. That's what he did for us, that we could be forgiven. And if you've never accepted that gift, that's our prayer today, that you would accept that gift of freedom, of salvation. For everybody else here, if you're stuck on the beach, if you, if you stop taking steps forward, maybe this is a moment of recommitment. Maybe a moment of, of, of accepting that gift again so you can move forward. Because that's what a helmet does. It gives an identity. It gives a purpose. And it protects us. Let me pray for us. God, you are so good. And Father, I just know that today, 
people are going through stuff. Life happens. We try to control things, but there's some things that we just cannot control. We become stressed, become overwhelmed. We want to give up. But God, I just pray that today you meet us where we're at. That today is that that something happened moment for someone. That they're tired of doing what they've been doing. They want a, a new life. They want to live a new purpose. And they want your protection. God, I just pray that today someone says yes to you. Someone puts on the helmet of salvation. And once they do that, I pray that they know that they are forgiven. There's no more guilt, no more shame. That they are, are in a place that they can call himself a child of yours, that you are the good, good father, and that you're with us and you are for us. So God, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, saying amen.